Business Class, a podcast sponsored by the iBear MBA program of the USC Marshall School of Business. Expert insight into the world of business. In this episode, Business Class continues its exploration of the connections between the economy and the environment in Palau. We discovered that the basics of creating business relationships follow the same pattern, no matter if you're a multi-billion dollar firm or two small groups at the remote end of a Pacific island. In Palau, there is, we have the, the carbohydrates and the protein. Yeah. And the protein is the ocean and the carbohydrates is the land. We spoke with the Palau Minister of State, Faustina Marug, not about her government position, but as a member of the Dili Sor Taro Association, a small farming cooperative from the northern villages in Palau. Well, there is an interest, and the key word is partnership. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the important component of this whole discussion. This is our first meeting. Dili Sor, with support from the Nature Conservancy, was exploring how to create a partnership with the Northern Reef Fisheries Cooperative. Uh, and so by talking about uh, what would be our common interest uh, as the two groups uh, together, how can we work together as a, as a team, as partners, uh, to further the interest of both, and at the same time to further the interest of, of the state, uh, the stakeholders, as well as for the whole betterment of Palau. Stephen Victor of the Nature Conservancy described how his organization is consulting with the two groups to facilitate the creation of the partnership. So today we're meeting with uh, the Northern Reef Fisheries Cooperative uh, and uh, another organization uh, led by women called Dilisor. And uh, we've had uh, a group of fishermen really engaged in trying to address uh, fisheries and a group of women uh, from the northern of Palau really trying to revitalize uh, taro as the staple crop. So there is a connection between the two because you need the fish and you need taro for a meal. Uh, and so there's these two organizations that have been working on their own initiative. And what we're trying to, to do is bring them together in a partnership that will strengthen that community effort to address uh, a resource that is very important for their food security and livelihood. Uh, and so we facilitate the conversation between the two on how they can best work together toward achieving a common goal, which is community livelihood and food security. We asked Stephen to dig into the economics of a small village in Palau and describe how things have changed. Not surprisingly, the ocean and the reefs play a big part. So in the past, I would say up to about uh, mid-70s or maybe early 80s, much of the fishing were for subsistence. Uh, and fishermen had very little uh, fishing equipment, let alone big fishing boat that uh, take them uh, to further away fishing ground, very little fish storage. So fishermen were only able to catch what they needed to eat uh, or can process uh, for the next day. Uh, and that helped 
contribute to uh, management of the resources then. Late 80s to early 90s, uh, the introduction of uh, commercial fishing, fishing to sell for money, uh, and fishing to be able to store in a freezer or in uh, storage with ice, and the ability to export fish outside of Palau, uh, gave uh, an opportunity for Palawans to generate a source of income. So then there was this shift from a purely subsistence, I feed to fish my family, to the fish, to fishing, to uh, pay for school supplies, fishing to pay for canned tuna, fishing to pay for spam so that I can eat uh, something else other than fish. And that very quick shift in how a Palawans use the resources contributed to uh, the declining fisheries. It's not uh, something that they used to do in the past. They had very little awareness uh, about the impact of uh, fishing, impact of commercial fishing on their fisheries. And so uh, when we started working with fishermen, uh, they began to recognize that uh, these are the drivers of what has caused uh, the declining in their fisheries. So how do we address these drivers? How do we ensure that uh, a fisherman can continue to fish for his fish for his family, but also make some sort of income because he needs to live in a cash-based economy now? So we're introducing alternatives way of uh, generating income for fishermen who are unemployed and. Uh, those alternative uh, sources of income around the small-scale aquaculture and rabbit fish, aquaculture and giant clams. And this whole idea of uh, going fishing outside the reef to target tuna, uh, reducing their fishing effort uh, on the reefs. Uh, tuna is a resource that uh, uh, has been uh, generating revenue at the national level because they're exported out of country. Uh, but we have a lot of tourists uh, who come to Palau who would like to eat tuna. So what's a better way to be able to serve the tourists who are coming to Palau? Uh, seafood other than reefs, we can serve uh, tuna. So there is that effort to try and incentivize and train uh, coastal fishermen to go fishing outside the reef as a, a source of income and reducing their impact uh, uh, on the reefs. And when they re reduce their impact on reefs, it's good for the health of Palau's coral reefs uh, because coral reefs depend on healthy fish populati populations to maintain healthy corals. And healthy coral reefs uh, helps protect uh, Palau's coastline from strong waves. and healthy coral reefs of Palau it's, it's what generates uh, the most uh, revenue for the country through tourism. Moving the economy forward meant change. And as happens everywhere, not every result or impact can be foreseen. So when we first started the coastal fisheries reform about five years ago, the fishermen were very willing to close off uh, some species establish uh, a stricter rules for fishing, but they said 
when we do all of this it impacts our livelihood what else can we do uh, while we're waiting for this resource to recover so we saw aquaculture as a, a potential alternative livelihood so we're picking species that we feel are easy enough for these fishermen to grow that there's a local market uh, and so that uh, uh, the fishermen don't feel like aquaculture is such a, a huge endeavor for them to engage because who is going to buy their fish if they choose a species that nobody here would like to buy where are they going to export the fish so we chose uh, chan clam which is a species that has uh, a market in the aquarium so there's already an established uh, link to aquariums outside of uh, Palau and people who are buying to export and also chan clam is also a very important food source in Palau and so there's also that uh, market uh, availability and then we chose a rabbit fish rabbit fish is uh, one of those uh, species that uh, Palawan starting, first started to see uh, huge decline and in some instances disappearing from their fishing ground uh, as early as late 80s because it's an important uh, nearshore species that uh, they can easily target uh, and so it's a species that uh, uh, Palau has been able to grow in hatchery a species that uh, doesn't require a lot of maintenance. Uh, it's a species that grow uh, within seven months uh, to a marketable size. And it's a species that Palawans like to eat. It's also a species that the Asian tourists also like to eat. So there are sort of five uh, criteria that make that species a very viable aquaculture species in Palau. So what we have learned about success in Managing fisheries is when fishers work together. Uh, and so that's one lesson that we have seen from places around the globe that has had successful management in fisheries. So when we started the project in the north, one of the things that uh, we did was uh, try to bring the fishermen together. Then they asked us, could we establish a fishing cooperative? as a way to, for them to work together. So the Northern Reef Fisheries Cooperative was established in 2015 as a platform for fishermen to work in increasing their participation in contributing to management as well as exploring alternative uh, livelihood uh, to help sustain uh, their lives. So this aquaculture project uh, are benefits to uh, the members of the fishing cooperatives. So these are fishermen from within the community who decide that if I work alone, I have uh, my voice is not heard, but if I work as a part of this cooperative, my voice is heard, and that we can all work together to create these incentives and benefits for ourselves. On the farmer's side, Minister Maru gave us the history of their organization, Dili Soar and brought into focus the connections between the fishers and the farmers. Dili Sor is the name of the uh, Ataro from the north, and that's the name of our organization. 
um, we put up a project to revive and to strengthen the taro fields. And also, as you noticed, in one of our common interests is conservation and promotion. Um, and we know that uh, the land affects the water, affects the marine resources. We need to look after the land, the terrestrial component of it, so that uh, the marine resources are clean and safe. And so, Dili Sor, where, where I'm part of it, is the land. Uh, so we were looking for commonalities, common interests, that we can work together. A good consultant becomes a trusted partner. This is a truth in a corporate boardroom or on a distant island in a small fishing village. In our work uh, with the communities, we are uh, seen as a, a trusted partner. Uh, that we don't come in to the communities to tell them what they should be doing. Uh, that the Nature Conservancy come into the community with uh, a very open mind about uh, what the community's needs are, what the conservation uh, challenges are. And, and we sit with the communities and we ask them what are their needs and what are the challenges that they're facing. The Nature Conservancy provided the, the science to uh, validate uh, the traditional knowledge that exists in the communities about uh, their observation of how the resource has changed. We use science to explain why that ha happens. And when that can explain, the communities understand that it is the very action that they've been doing that contributes to the problem. So we're not seen as somebody who comes in to tell them what they should be doing, but seen as somebody who comes in, uh, sit with them, uh, listen to them, and propose solutions uh, uh, that is practical to them. Business class. Expert insight into the world of business. The host is Dick Drobnik, producer Pankaj Bhushan, director Dan Griffin, web developer Rick Pine, and I am Robin Garthwaite.